Linux Out Loud is firing off our microphones, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banner eh, somewhat friendly, the conversation also somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we're spotting off about is open source just software or is it a lifestyle? Let's get into episode 18. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by DigitalOcean and Bitwarden. With me today, we have the network's photographer extraordinaire, Wendy, and the person who will preach to the hills about OpenSUSE and its lovely, lovely installer is Nate. <laughs> What's going on, guys? It's not just the installer. It's everything about the OpenSUSE. Everything from the chameleon to the package manager, Yast, all these wonderful things that just help me make my computing life so much easier and allows me to be lazy. Oh, also, you said keep the banter somewhat friendly. You, sir, are not the friendly one of the banter. I'm the friendly one of the banter. No, I'm the friendly one. <laughs> oh, that's true, actually. Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> Unless you're talking to Ryan and Michael, and then Ryan says that I'm really, really mean. And I know post-show of the last Destination Linux that went out, I'd have to look at the date, the one that I'll talk about here in just a little bit. Ryan shared some graphics he made for my t-shirts, and I think one of them is calling me the devil, so... I did see that one, black and white, smiley face, and the way the one that... Yes. Makes it look like it has horns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, (laughs) we all do have two sides occasionally, so, you know. And you have to put up with Ryan and Michael. I would understand why the horns might have to come out a little (laughs) more often to keep those kids in charge, up in line. There is no such thing as keeping them in line. Me and Nate, you can at least veer back onto topic, though. Usually, yes. (laughs) Well, kind of like veering into a median, you know, when on the highway, kind of like that. Go up and over, right? Nate? <laughs> That's right. Just try and stay away from the concrete. So, Wendy, what direction have you been going down the highway on for your current week of things? Things have still been a little bit crazy around here. Oh, I bet. I did take some time to help out the Destination Linux crew on episode 281, where they were talking about replacing the Adobe suite. And Michael's like, hey, your internet still is horrible. So it's easier for me to edit if you're not actually on the show and we'll have better sound quality. If you will just cut a piece talking about these, that'll be fine. He gave me a lead in that I could use as I started the video, got it recorded. Yes, there were plenty of comments on Sunday about how we're standing in a dark room with Wendy. Yeah, that's because my house is still tore apart and there's lots of extra crap in my room. And as you know, my room is also the recording studio and the gym. So I had it pretty well blacked out. You could see some of the mess if you're actually paying attention. But for the most part, I hid that in the dark room. That was a lot of fun. Glad I got to jump on there and share a little bit about raw therapy and dark table. The big thing that happened actually happened today just before we were recording. There was a member of the community and I'll have to look and see who, but there was a member of the community, I think it was Lamer, that said, why don't you go ahead and throw pop on there and see if that works? And I'm like, "Mm, I kind of like that solution. I'm not against making Fedora work, but it's still time constraints, right? There's still so much going on with cleanup around here. Yes, we're still dealing with cleanup stuff that I wanted to get her up and running really quickly on her laptop without me needing to hold on to it for an entire day. And so this morning, we backed up the stuff that was on our laptop, 
downloaded Pop and threw it on there. And guess what? It's seeing her graphics card. Steam is seeing her graphics card. I am using the Flatpak version of Steam. And so in order for it to see the Steam drive, the game drive, because this laptop has two different drives in it, one we're using for boot, and then the one terabyte drive we're using to hold all of the games on. Because of that, I did need to download a second app. What was it called? Flat Seal, I think. Yeah. Yes. It's going to be Flat Seal. Exactly. Flat Seal is what I had to download and install. And now all of that seems to be working pretty good. I haven't got to play with it too much because I got that wrapped up just before it was time to send you guys the link to Ennui in order to start recording the show. But I did look at settings in Steam, make sure it was seeing the graphics card. I booted up Bendy in the Ink machine on our laptop and the numbers are looking really good. So I think that was an absolute fantastic, easy out of the box suggestion. And we're off and running with NVIDIA working on her graphics card. It's not my favorite because it uses GNOME. My daughter doesn't have a problem with GNOME and it's her laptop. So if it works for her, it's all good. My question is though, how do you feel about having it in Ubuntu base? Because that's going to be hit or miss. Right now, I don't care as long as it works. And right now, so far, it's working. I do prefer something that's updated a little bit faster. Because her laptop has been such a pain in the butt in order to not have it running, but to have that NVIDIA card working, I'm totally fine with using a slower rolling distro just so she can actually use the hardware that is available for this laptop. Well, you know, I personally think, unless it's OpenSUSE, it's not worth running. I'm kidding. That's just what my internal monologue is. <laughs> I would never say that audibly. Honestly, if it takes Pop! OS to make good usage of the hardware, that's really the best way to go then, at least for the time being. I think their implementation of GNOME is quite enjoyable to use, and I don't care for vanilla GNOME at all, but I think Pop! OS and Ubuntu do a great job on the GNOME where, at least for me, I don't want to send my computer through a window. Something tells me you'd rather <laughs> install Windows. I probably just wouldn't use computers if I had used GNOME. But anyway, <laughs> but overall though, it's not an awful experience. I really think Pop does a great job fixing GNOME and so does Ubuntu. You know, if it makes it so she can have a good experience on a laptop, what does it matter at this point? Would you rather, you know, a paperweight versus something that's at least, you know, mostly usable, 90% usable? Which, I mean, 90% usable is better than like a Windows machine with that perspective. Or unusable <laughs> if, in the case of a Mac. Right. right. Yeah, if you want a game with a Mac, yeah. It kind of plays into the conversation we had about finding that problematic hardware and stuff kind of taints the yeah. experience with distros and stuff. I've used Pop! OS. I use it for actually a fairly long time until I found a distro that actually decided to work. Besides pop because I couldn't wrap my head around the gnome experience regardless of what pop personally puts in it but if it works for your machine then can't really argue with the results at the end of the day <laughs> I totally get why you would go that route and just be like yeah whatever it's the right distro for the machine you know it's kind of like how I do it with my machines. It's just one of those things where you find the right distro for the machine and just kind of, despite any misgivings you might have about it or whatever, personal preferences, you just kind of deal with it and that's what it is. Yeah, and this isn't my machine. And if she's happy and has a great user experience on GNOME, I'm not going to stop her from using that. We'll give it a go. She hasn't used GNOME a whole lot in the past. She's just kind of played with the basics of it. This will now be her daily driver, of course. School's out for the summer, so there's not a whole lot of other projects we're doing at this time. She's got plenty of time to kind of play with it. Do I like it? Do any tweaks to it? And if it ends up being something she decides that she doesn't really like, we can take Pop off it. We can go down a different road. But right now, 
She told me today, I really, really like this laptop, but I really hate this laptop. So in other words, she loves <laughs> the look of this laptop. She loves the size of this laptop. She enjoys most of the hardware, but hates what a pain that the NVIDIA <laughs> card has been. Pop seems to be working right out of the box. So right now, I think it's the perfect fit because it allows her to have a fully functional machine and I don't have to spend a whole lot of time digging through different wikis trying to figure out how to make the NVIDIA graphics card work. I mean, it sounds like a success to me. You almost slipped and said OpenSUSE in there, and that would have been even more of a success as far as I'm concerned. But hey, you know, <laughs> you take what you can where you can. Would it have been, though? Well, yeah. OpenSUSE is awesome. Speaking of successes, you have had a 3D printer success, Nate. I am really curious about where this is going. As you know, I've been working on printing my parts for my CNC machine. And that's going quite well. Well, it was going mostly well. And I started having these problems where filament stopped coming out. You said get some new nozzles. So I did so, got some new nozzles. I put a new one in. And then all of a sudden, like, I have all this offsetting of layers. I'm like, what did I do to screw it up? And then my Octopi was giving me problems that couldn't octoprint on a pie was giving me problems. The power supply was essentially failing in it. So I had to get a new power supply for that. So I was kind of like downish for a little bit. I had to go back to like the caveman way of using an SD card to feed the printer information. But I was still getting all this skipping. And so it was essentially not usable. Nothing that was printing off was usable. It was that bad. Quality of the print was great, but it was just it was offsetting. Like, what is going on here? And there's like this little uh, silicon like sleeve or whatever that goes over the, the bottom side of the print head. One time it fell off. I'm like, what is going on here? Well, it took me a couple days to figure it out, but essentially I didn't screw in the nozzle tight enough. And so I was leaking filament goo all over the heater element, the heater block of it. Oh, and it was actually causing no. a giant mess. Anyway, I was able to basically I heat the thing up. I took the nozzle out. I'm like, well, this nozzle looks like it's all goobered up, threw it in some acetone. I said, I'm like a mess with this right now. I cleaned all the goo off the heater block, which actually wasn't as hard as you might think. Basically, I just heat the thing up and then I scraped it off with like a little tiny flathead screwdriver. It all came off real easy, surprisingly. So I dodged a bullet there. I put a new nozzle in and I've replaced nozzles numerous times. So I don't know where I had the malfunction, but I made sure it was good and tight. The spanner, I backed the heater blocks to make sure I didn't torque on it too hard, put it in and then started printing again. I've been having just great success. A bunch more things printed off now. I'm at 28 out of the 61 items printed as of now. Oh, I'm sorry. 29. I forgot to add one. 29 out of the 61. So there's 32 remaining to print. Quality is great. Everything is good. I got the new power supply for the Octopi. It's like, you know, nothing ever went wrong whatsoever. Everything is going great now. I had it did a terrible job of inventory and I'm out of black PLA. So way to go. But other than that, success. Printer's great. Everything's level. Everything's quality is just tip top. I'm very happy with it. I'm approaching the CNC all printed off. Can you combine some of those parts in printing or because of the size of your print bed, each piece needs to be printed one at a time? Or is that that many prints with multiple parts in them? So I'm doing a lot of prints like parts together. Yesterday, I printed like the rollers on it, both of them together. I was printing because I was running low on filament. I was doing one part at a time. So I didn't have a bunch of halfway done parts until I basically used up my filament. But yeah, I've been, I've been doing multiple at a time. I'd uh, load up the plate and let it print for like 12 hours or whatever of stuff. That's the upshot there. I can very easy to kind of put those things tightly together and have it work. Nice. Well, hopefully your black PLA will show up pretty soon and you can get right back to printing. I know I need to be ordering some more. Where is the best place to order some of that from? Do you just get it from Amazon or do you have like a dedicated 
3D printing website that you buy your filaments through? So it depends on how forward planning I was. Running out now means I need to get filament immediately. So I did order Amazon a couple of rolls of filament. Normally I go on to eBay and I'll get it from vendor on eBay. I always nice. make sure they're a US seller because I don't want to have to wait a long time. I shop by price. I do keep track of like who provides better filament because you know sometimes you get some ropey filament from some vendors. Yeah. The tolerances aren't really good on the extrusion. So if that happens, I've had printer jam up because like, it couldn't go through the tube because it had some issues. So I had to like pull a bunch of filament off and cut it. I'm like, that's garbage. It wasn't that bad. Just annoying because I had to restart the printer a few times. So You might have to share that list with me because I'm pretty curious about which are the good ones and which are the not so great ones to buy filament from since that is an upcoming thing I need to be doing myself. Avoid anything that says Amazon Basics. You're pretty much great. Good to go. The Amazon <laughs> Basic stuff, that was actually where I got bad filament. It's not good. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was just me that had the bad run of luck. I'm kind of turned off by Amazon Basics right now. Makes sense. Matt. You are doing something not for yourself for a change. There's a charity event that you are actually working on stuff. Yes, I actually do do things not just for myself, Nate. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the banner mostly friendly, somewhat friendly. Mostly friendly. <laughs> just been working on the a charity event that I got coming up on the 20th. I ended up finalizing the multiplayer games for the charity event. So there's a list of that on Twitter for people who want to see it. Basically, I've been getting a lot of social media traction on that one. So like Cure, the organization that the charity events for, has actually been a really big supporter for that. Got a few interesting retweets from game companies that I didn't expect. So that was interesting. As an example, Planetside 2, which has like 150,000 followers on Twitter, retweeted that. So that was kind of a nice thing to see. It's just nice to see that sometimes when there's an event that you're doing, actually get some outside traction, if that makes sense. It's nice to know that there are companies out there, people out there that support you in this charity event. I think it's really great news to see good coming out of the internet, not just seeing the negativity that has been out there, but seeing people really pull together, get behind you and support you ultimately playing Among Us. The goal is for charity, Nate. The Among Us is just a stretch goal for people who, you know, want to have something for themselves because people tend to be selfish. I guess you're being selfish and your any donation you make, I can expect, goes towards me having to play Among Us as opposed to the byproduct of the charity, huh? Yeah, yeah, I'll admit that. And the charity is a nice aside, but you having to play Among Us is ultimately my goal in the, all of this. I'll give you props for at least you're <laughs> honest about it. Hey, look, I'm nothing if not honest, so I guess I'm nothing. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm a I don't even know where person. to go with that. I don't even know where to go with I don't that either. one, Nate. It's like when you get the show stuck in a wet paper bag and you can't get out. Yeah, there we did. Yeah, That's pretty much. Pretty much. Russell, Russell, Russell. <laughs> so for those wondering, the games that we're going to be looking at playing is one called Crime Site, uh, one that is called Leap. Left for Dead 2 because that's the one the community wanted me to see me play. Cool. The Mean Greens, Plastic Warfare. Ooh, that'd be fun. Planet Side 2 and Splitgate are the ones that we're playing. Excellent. I have Splitgate ready to go. Those will be in two-hour blocks. Do you have like a schedule somewhere on the forum? I'm not going to pigeonhole myself to specific games at a specific time because sometimes you have to oh, okay. just like, if I want to do two multiplayer games back to back as opposed to alternating between single player and multiplayer or just any of that kind of stuff. I prefer to give a list of games and this is kind of what you can expect throughout the day, night too. That way nobody's really surprised if I'm playing this game at this time as opposed to when I'm supposed to be playing this game at that time kind of deal. Disappointment, I guess. <laughs> no, it's no disappointment at all, I would say. But I think that's a good idea to kind of keep it a little bit flexible. 
I just would like to know like when you're going to play specific games. Like, I don't know if you're going to have any hard times at all in any of them. I'm not asking for that necessarily. I'll probably have a start and finish game. I haven't decided which one that is. Okay. It all depends. If it's going to be multiplayer games, it's going to be dependent on whether or not I can get people to, from the shows, specifically Nudge, Nudge, Wink, Wink. Oh, yeah. No, I plan on being there for as much as possible. I've actually blocked <laughs> out the day, like the actual 24 hours, as much as physically possible. I'm going to see who from the shows can join or from the network can join, and I'll try to determine what games I'm going to start with. I'm hoping to start with one of the multiplayer games. It'll probably... Just because it's low barrier entry cost wise is probably Splitgate mm. or the Mean Greens, which is ten bucks, twenty bucks. Like it's not uber expensive. The other ones all cost money. Like Crime Side's like twenty bucks. The Leap is thirty. The other ones have a higher cost to entry, so I don't want to put that on people to deal with. If I'm gonna have like multiplayer focused games or that kind of stuff, I, w- I want people to just be not feel like they are having to spend either a ton of money or any money as far as just the upfront cost because that's not fair to them. I've officially blocked out that 24 hour period to make sure I don't have <laughs> anything else get in the way. Because of course you would. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> moving on now. The conversation has totally been derailed. Sorry, Wendy. I mean, really, would it be this show if it didn't get derailed? you're not okay you're not wrong (laughs) (laughs) that's true i would never consider myself a professional and i would never expect professional results out of uh, out of anything especially out of here especially out of here (laughs) we're surprised the end result actually sounds somewhat professional (laughs) let's be real it takes a lot of editing (laughs) you're right it does (laughs) poor wendy yeah sympathies all around not gonna lie this episode of linux out loud is brought to you by digital ocean Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your team can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. DigitalOcean also provides you with predictable pricing, robust product docs, and services that developers love. DigitalOcean helps teams regardless of size, whether you're a team of one to a team of 1,000 people. DigitalOcean helps your team grow with their simple, powerful cloud computing services. As a listener of Linux Out Loud and a member of the DLN community, you can get started for free. In fact, even better than free because DigitalOcean is giving you a $100 credit when you sign up at do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, you can get started with your $100 credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform by going to do.co slash tux2022. And we want to thank DigitalOcean for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud. While we're talking about charity events and giving money, we're also going to bring up open source and is it a lifestyle kind of choice or is it just about the software? One's about giving the software away and another one is kind of the philosophy end of it. Time out. Was this an email sent to you? No, this is a conversation that I had with him. Okay, so context will probably help. Right, exactly. (laughs) So in this conversation that I had with Bill, he was saying that his uncle got him into Linux in general. Like if it hadn't been for his uncle Dick that he just wouldn't have gotten here. 
And he even mentioned that while he was at, he didn't call it a funeral, but where they were celebrating his uncle's life, he had his laptop up and running with open Sousa on it. And his aunt was like, should you be working on your laptop? I love this man. <laughs> yes. His aunt was question him about, should you be working on your laptop when all the family is here and we've got these services going on? He's like, yeah, absolutely. This is exactly what my uncle would want. And in this conversation, he had mentioned that is open source just software? Is it just here is a piece of software that everybody can use and it's free? Or is it more than that? Is it giving back to the community? Is it helping others, not just the philosophical, do you have to use open source for everything? I think you used too many words for Matt. Uh, Nate, <laughs> so many things I want to say. I'm going to be the one to shock everybody and be PG today. Are you? Are you really? Honestly, if I look at someone like Nate, I'd say it's almost a lifestyle choice. And I don't mean that in like a negative connotation either, Nate. Well, you're not wrong. And I think it's a little bit of both. My philosophy with all technology, whether it's computers or tools used to build things, is they have to do a job and they have to do a job well. I happen to think that for the most part, open source software does that job and does that job better on many levels than proprietary software. Now, where it kind of becomes a lifestyle a little bit, I have this, you know, almost unhealthy obsession with the little green lizard, the chameleon, the open Sousa Geeko, which is not confusing at all when the Geeko chameleon. Anyway, there's a little bit like lifestyle in that of sorts. I mean, I do like to wear green. I mean, even my Vibrams have green accents that are just about the right color just because I know that's dumb. Why not have my shoes be fitting as well? So there's some of that is lifestyle because like I seek out open source solutions for my problems. And like we talked last week, I do contribute to open source projects. So it's not because I'm just getting something for free. The idea of freely sharing is great, but also freely contributing is part of that lifestyle that I actually enjoy. I have this enjoyment out of helping people with finding software solutions as well. So it might be that I'm getting something for free out of it, essentially for free, that I can use to do all the things I do with computers. But it's also documenting helping, you know, the OpenSUSE project with, you know, I'm the wiki, helping people I know. Like yesterday, I was helping somebody with, they're having some trouble with OpenSUSE running that in a VM on a Windows machine, which kind of hurt my brain a little bit, that order, but it had to be that way. And I enjoy that. I truly enjoy helping other people. And that's, you know, part of the lifestyle. But really, without the software being there, the open source software, the lifestyle can't really exist. So I kind of feel like they're a little bit codependent on one another, those, those two ideas. Yes, it is software. Yes, it is a tool. Yes, it is utility. And probably most people just see it as a utility, that enjoyment of being able to contribute just a little bit back to it, helping the greater organization, helping people I don't even know. There's a lot of fun and, and fulfillment in that. I definitely think that's exactly where Bill was going with this topic when he brought it to me in a chat that we were having on Jitsi was open source can be so much more than the software itself. And the giving back part of it is a huge part of being part of the community and kind of having an open source mindset or an open source lifestyle. 
And if it wasn't for Bill's uncle bringing him to Linux and explaining to him that we have this really great software and in order to keep it going, we have to give back. We need to help others or this is just kind of fall flat. It won't be as valuable if there isn't that exchange of knowledge and helping each other with the hardware that comes in. A great example of Bill living up to these expectations of his uncle Dick is the fact that he donated so many laptops for school functions. Like, it is amazing how much he helps others inside of the community. It's just a fantastic example of living an open source lifestyle. Yes, he's running OpenSUSE, he's running Fedora, he uses all kinds of Linux tools in his day-to-day job, but that's not the end of it. It's How can I help get Linux in schools? How can I make this program work? How can I help this person achieve their technical goals? And it doesn't necessarily have to be related to Linux at all. It could be related to, I want to work on my network. I am not very big in understanding how that all works. It's one of the things that is still on the to-do list to learn, but people like him willing to share the knowledge. And I believe that is where open source becomes more than just the software. It becomes the way we interact with others and being able to, regardless of whether it's Linux related or not, regardless of whether it's tech related or not, just being willing to help other people achieve their goals, share the knowledge we have so that they can move forward with whatever they want or need to do. Yeah, I know for me specifically, it's very much a lifestyle and a view on, like you mentioned, Wendy, not just software, but kind of how you interact with people in general. You're talking about giving back to communities of through knowledge, or we've talked about knowledge, money, time, however you want to give back, feedback to those projects that give you what you need. But it's also in how you interact with those communities too, your willingness to not just share your knowledge, but also drilled down sometimes past where we would normally be willing to go in a conversation or like a flyby conversation. There's a problem that crops up or somebody asks for a recommendation. Sometimes we have to be a little more specific, you know, you get how many times do we go into an element chat or or sorry, matrix chat or a telegram channel and you hear the, what's the best Linux distro for X for, you know, gaming or insert distro here. I know Nate's answer to everything about that is OpenSUSE, but yeah, that remains outside of that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Now, in all fairness, I don't say people should use OpenSUSE. I know. Point blank. I I want to, but I do refrain from doing that. But my point is... I want to. Part of being (laughs) in that community and lifestyle is kind of drilling past like the surface level stuff and actually engaging further, narrowing down like specific things and problems and getting beyond kind of the surface level, that kind of question. It's like, well, what are you looking for? What's your hardware? The typical questions that we would normally dig into that somebody that isn't used to that type of interaction. I don't want to say off-putting, but different because we're so used to the surface level conversations and that kind of stuff. Whereas we tend to be like, okay, let's get past the surface level stuff and let's get down to the heart of the matter kind of people. Definitely think that is a influence on the way you interact with the community and how the community interacts with each other. So in turn, that kind of affects in real life, how you will live your life and how you kind of have interactions with people. It's very much a way of when you first get into it, 
you're just like, okay, this is just how this community is. But as you stay in it longer, it's one of those things that it ends up affecting your life and the style you live that life, be it online or offline. I think what's really neat about open source in general, I'm going to call it a lifestyle or whatever, is the willingness within these like different Telegram groups, you know, in Tux Digital or Linux Saloon or whatever, the willingness for people to help each other out and, and actually spend a lot of time. Or even on forums, in the OpenSUSE forum, people are very willing to help each other out, get through a problem. It's a really neat thing to see, you know, how helpful people can be. You know, it's so easy to see like the negativity of humans, but I think that there's like real, I know people say, oh, Linux people are toxic or whatever. The positivity and the, the helpfulness that is in the open source world, I think is unmatched, you know, in any other hobby or whatever. I could be wrong, but it just seems absolutely phenomenal on just how good people are to one another and helping them get through their problem, helping others to find a solution to whatever it might be. There's something really positive. I would say in many ways, helps you kind of get through those rough days when you realize how good people really are. This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication, such as master passwords, and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync their sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. Say you want that premium account that starts at just $10 per year. What comes with that? One gigabyte of encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F, and Duo, Vault Health Reports, TOTP Authenticator Storage and Generation, plus priority customer support. Make the smart move like many in the community have and go to bitwarden.com T-U-X to get started for free. If you're like me, though, you want to show your appreciation for this awesome open source project by signing up for that premium edition, especially since it starts at just $10 a year. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud. So speaking of lifestyles and whatnot, Wendy, it seems like the gaming lifestyle is changing up a little bit in your home, though. Yes, absolutely. This is one of my goals for the year is to have the living room gaming system up and running and ever since the kids bought their VR headset, this has been even more important because of how much they need to use my space in order to play some of their games with their hardware. And thanks to a fantastic friend, I have a new graphics card, new to me, not new in general, graphics card coming. So that means I can pull out the RX 580 and put that into a living room machine. Now it'll be using the same i7-6700 that I had in my pre-built. Right now it's going to be using the exact same pre-built motherboard that I had in it. One of the downsides of using that motherboard is it does have DDR3 RAM instead of DDR4. I don't know how well it will all work with these other parts in it, especially VR itself, but I'm willing to give it a go. And then as things happen, we can upgrade parts. I have been looking at some used motherboards on eBay and you're able to find some motherboards for this particular Intel CPU for pretty good prices. 
The downside of upgrading the motherboard is, of course, the RAM has to be updated too. And right now, because of prices, supply, demand, all of that stuff, RAM sticks are not really good price-wise. So upgrades of this machine, I would like to happen later. But right now, all I need is a cooler and a case, and this thing can get set up, be ready to rock and roll. We can get the VR headset hopefully completely and totally out of my room and have that system going so I can have my computer back. Well, that's exciting news. I'll be interested in seeing what your final machine is going to be for your living room gaming system because I'm kind of in the same boat where I, well, my kids will play on my computer more so or even on my, in mm -hmm. my studio, the computer there. My kids shouldn't touch my Commodore 64 imposter because it's, well, it's mine. Nah, it's fine if they touch it. Just not for very long. Nate, that's what the Steam Deck's for. Yes. So the Steam Deck is going to potentially be my living room gaming system. But since I don't have it right now, it's really hard to, or it's kind of inconvenient. Like I'll plug in a laptop to do the job. Laptops just don't have great GPUs in them. They're okay, right. but you know, they're just not great. So some of the games just can't play some of the, you know, the more intense games. And even like the new Lego Star Wars, they does push the GPU a little bit harder than the older Star Wars, Lego Star Wars games. So it would be nice to have a dedicated living room system. So I'm interested in seeing how well this goes for you. Temporarily, I'll keep my Steam Deck in the living room. But once the kids start touching it, I'll probably have to take it out and I'll have to build a system. As soon as all the parts are here and it's up and running, I will definitely let you know. I'm not entirely sure what OS is going to be installed on this. It is going to be a dedicated gaming system. I have a suggestion. Ooh, okay. Is it OpenSUSE? <laughs> OpenSUSE? I mean, you guys are good. How did you guess? Are you mind readers? <laughs> okay, never mind. I want something that can like boot automatically into gaming stuff. So I'm going to go to Matt. Hey, Matt, what would you suggest to put on this? <laughs> Honestly, Wendy, actually, I would recommend Chimera OS. It is specifically built for a consoleized version of Steam, basically, more or less. Currently, it boots into big picture mode, but I believe the developer is working on getting like the deck UI, making sure the flags that need to be there are actually right, so that that's the default interface. In Steam now, when you go into either big picture mode or the deck UI, you can actually do weird things like install a secondary drives, which you couldn't do for a long time. So the main drive originally at one point nice. was the only drive you could install. So you can have secondary drives. So like, as an example, like your daughter's laptop, that SSD drive that she has would be the only drive that the SteamOS would originally detect. So stuff like that is nice improvements that we're seeing where you can go and like, oh, add a folder, add a drive. You know, you go to the mount, you go to the, or sorry, you go to run and media, and then you can find your secondary drives and all that fun stuff. That would be what I would recommend or whenever Steam OS 3 official launches for everybody, that would be the other recommendation. Chimera OS is a little bit different because there's a web app that kind of ties into it. Nate, you would probably like it as a living room system because it does things with emulators and a bunch of other stuff too. Ooh, so now you're talking about some recommendations. <laughs> I know there's like some kind of like unofficial Steam OS 3 ISO kicking around. I can't remember exactly what the name of it is off the top of my head, though. Okay. They pull in a lot of the stuff. I know NVIDIA is an issue, but if you have AMD, which obviously you're going to have, Wendy. It will. Um, it'll be totally fine, apparently, because obviously the Steam Deck runs on AMD stuff. And those would be the recommendations I would make right now. 
If you want a stable one, I would go with Chimera OS. Personally, I've talked to the dev. Great guy. Knows what he's looking for. That's my recommendation currently. Thank you so much for that. I will take a look into that. And it's just fine right now if it boots into big picture mode. It might take a little bit for Magneto to learn that kind of new UI. It's really not too bad. Pretty self-explanatory. It's actually how my daughter prefers to use Steam. So she already knows how that works, where to find everything. Within the next month or so, I definitely want to have this up and running. Right now, it's just a matter of really finding a case that'll work for this. I've got my power supply that I used last time. Like I said, I saved all of the other parts from the system. And just having a case to put it in is definitely the biggest thing. I do have the stock cooler for the CPU, and I do not want to use that unless there is no other choice. But it looks like the cooler prices are coming down just a little bit. Case prices seem to be stabilizing. So getting those parts shouldn't be too bad here in the near future. On a side note, Wendy, how much RAM does that system currently have? 16 gigs. So how much RAM are you looking for? (laughs) Thing is, it doesn't need to have a whole lot of RAM in general because it's not going to be doing anything but gaming. Yeah, 16 gigs is fine. Right, yeah. Sticking with 16 is perfectly okay in that gaming rig. Okay, I was just curious because you had mentioned about RAM prices, so it was just like, Okay, yeah. well, if you already have it, I really wouldn't worry. I'm assuming what's DDR3-1600? Uh, I'd have to look at it. It might be a little bit faster than that because I updated the RAM in that system. It came with 8, and of course, gotcha. as I was working on images and all of that stuff, 8 did not cut it. It ain't going to work. <laughs> yeah, the one image that I was doing that was like lots and lots of different layers, I don't know if I've showed it to you. But it was the shot of the house, so I'm taking a picture of this massive living room, and in order to get all of the living room in the way I wanted it to be, like, super, super high quality, there's, like, three different shots of each section, and there's six different sections, and then all of that is getting blended together in GIMP. It ends up being, like, a two-gig file. Yeah, it's Yikes. it's absolutely huge, and it is what you would call a RAM eater. And so in order to just do that kind of stuff, I had to increase the RAM to 16, and then I was still, like, cutting it close sometimes. So for that system, 16 is absolutely fine. <laughs> I'm just worried about the motherboard being a bottleneck and the RAM being a bottleneck to the gameplay, but it can be updated later. Honestly, most... So I'm just speaking currently. Most games really, it's whether or not they're going to be CPU bound more than anything else. A lot of the RAM requirements are usually just, they're vague like numbers. They're like, here's four gigs, here's eight gigs. But uh, really the thing you want to worry about is the speed of the GPU, which obviously it's a Vega 64, so it's 256 bit, um, and the CPU. So you want to make sure you have, you know, I think uh, six six gen. Well, the Vega 64 will be going into my main machine. They'll be getting either the RX 580 or the Vega 56 if the Vega 56 will work. Well, if the Vega 56 works, it's basically a Vega 64 because it's got the 64 BIOS flashed on it. So there's that too. Oh, (laughs) nice. If the Vega 56 will work, that's what that machine is getting. And then the RX 580 will go into storage as the, if something breaks down, I've got a backup. Yeah, and I'm not completely screwed. 
Yeah, I definitely feel you there. So yeah, uh, Ram, I really wouldn't worry too much about um, that being your bottleneck. It's going to be either your SSDs. I'm assuming there's SSDs. Um, I wouldn't recommend HDDs personally, but you know, they right exactly. I figured a small SSD as a boot drive, and then a much larger SSD as the game drive, which is pretty much Mm -hmm. how. We've configured everything else. That way, if anything happens and the system needs reloaded, the games don't need re-downloaded, which is such a pain. Yes, definitely. That is your best bet because that is what I do with my old workstation now, not my new one. Right. <laughs> I have a small 512. I get well, small relatively. I have a 512 SSD and then I have a terabyte SSD that I use as like your storage. Right. <laughs> anyway, back to the topic. I thought that was a perfect fitting side topic. Oh, totally. I thought so too. But Nate is moving his Lego table. That's where I was going. Yay! You're <laughs> moving your Lego table. <laughs> so what's happened is I have a lot of projects going on in my, um, what is Cubicle Labs. I have my Lego table out here right now. And the problem is, so the kids come out here as they were when we started recording the show and they make a bunch of noise with the Legos. And I've decided as much as I like them here, they need to go somewhere else. So I'm in the process of going through, and this has been a lot of organizing, purging, getting rid of things. I'm going to be taking a portion of my basement, the largest room in the basement, which is, it's not a very good basement. I bang my head on the the air ducts because it's a low ceiling. I'm going to concrete paint the floor, get it all like really nice. I'm going to actually make a special spot just for all the Lego stuff in hopes that when we record or when I have to do things out here, that I don't have any crumb snatcher sized people interrupting my ability to record. It's kind of been a long process. It has nothing to do with technology other than I got to make room for technology. So I'm moving the Legos. It's been quite an adventure because I find that, so the goal is, you know, X, it's like shaving a yak. But before I can do that goal, I have to take care of some other things. But before I can take care of those other things, I got to take care of something else. So it all started with me essentially power washing a portion of the basement. And why did it be power wash? Well, because my oldest decided to make a nursery out of, I should say like a kind of a chicken ward for like injured birds. And so it had to be totally power washed and and whatever else. Yeah. So I power washed it and then I organized all like the seasonal decorations. And those are all now back in there after the room dehumidified and everything else. I've been going through boxes for moving to this location, literally just purging stuff. I've been ridding of a lot of things and also like finding clothes and like, you know, absorbing them into the rest of the kids' rooms. But before I could really organize those clothes, I had to organize all the kids' dresser drawers because they had, except for my daughter, because my daughter, for whatever reason, she's the only one that can keep a neat dresser. The boys all needed to have, like, I went through that and make sure like, well, these clothes are too small for you. Why do you keep wearing them? So I, I like take out the clothes out and then I box those up. Anyway, so I'm now to the point where almost there where I can actually finally move my Lego table that I can open up for another workbench to work on things. And then also my studio is also my workout room and I really want to set up my punching bag and be able to use that again. So it'd be nice to have a little more space. And also like the, where I have my Lego table here, I can't make it any bigger and I want a bigger Lego table and the basement actually will provide a bigger space to set up more things, more play space for the kids. I think overall it'd be better for everybody. Nate, let's be real. What you have on the punching bag is an Apple sign and a Windows logo. No, see, the thing is like, if you think about something, then they're like taking like mind share. But when someone says, so what do you think of Apple? I'm like, I don't. Because to me, that's a lot more cutting. (laughs) That's why I never ask you what you think about (laughs) Apple or Microsoft. I say, so when you use them. (laughs) Uh, Rarely if ever. 
Matt, I see uh, your game, OpenSUSE Leap, you're installing. No, 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 no. It's a game called Leap. So I, I got OpenSUSE on the mind today. All day, every day. It's the only thing that occupies your mind sometimes. <laughs> almost unhealthy obsession. Almost. It's an unhealthy obsession. Just admit it. Almost. You can call it <laughs> an almost unhealthy obsession. Everyone knows it's unhealthy. But anyway, yes, this particular thing of Leap is not OpenSUSE. This is a game called Leap, which is a 60-player multiplayer game. It is a early access game. It is done by Blue Isle Studios, who also made the game Valley. So it is an interesting progression to see them jump into the first slash third person multiplayer shooter arena spectrum of the gaming going from a environmentally story focused game, which was Valley. This is definitely an interesting game. Blue Isle has been a very big supporter of Linux from some of their prior releases. The nice thing, though, is this game uses easy anti-cheat. There's no fussing around with it. You just click the install button, click the play button, tell it to use the normal version of the game, and it just plays. And you get all the menus. like So there's no Destiny 2 kind of thing where we're not going to support Steam or the Steam Deck or Linux or you know whatever. It's nice to see when a studio just has a game that you can literally just download, click play, and just go. And it doesn't matter the platform. It doesn't like that to me is the epitome of the studios that I like to support. This is why I'm making that recommendation because this works flawlessly in Linux. I have had no issues. I have not gotten booted because of stupid EAC stuff. The graphics look nice and they have hoverboards. What's not to like about that? Yeah, it's like Back to the Future Part 2. The graphics are absolutely beautiful. And when you said this was made by the same people that made Valley, I can totally see it. You've got that rich, beautiful atmosphere when it comes to the landscapes that they have going on. But this is definitely completely different when it comes to gameplay, for sure. Though it does look gorgeous. Not my kind of game. I can't play multiplayer. And we know how well I do with coordination and actually not dying. So love looking at it. Can't wait to watch you play it. But this is definitely not one for me unless I want to constantly be looking at the sky. It's okay, Wendy. You just join Ryan. Oh, wait. Ryan looks at the ground. My bad. I forgot. You know. Because he can't tie his shoes. Or he got shot. You know, one of the two. Because that's usually what happens. <laughs> I think it looks like a really neat game. I like the trailer, the intro. Some suited up dude on a, like a water raft or whatever. Like an inner tube sitting in the middle of a lake as all this stuff blows up around him. I think it's just funny that they did it like that. I have no idea if that has anything to do with the game whatsoever. But I think the graphics are cool. It looks like it's really fast paced. So I would probably wouldn't do very well with a game like this because I'm, I'm a little bit slower. Uh, as far as game pace, eh, it depends because these are actually fairly large maps. There's almost a... Nate, I don't know if you remember these games, but do you remember the games called Tribes? Like Tribes 2 and those type of games? They're from the mid-90s, so... No, actually, I don't. It's a little new for me, probably. They had a multiplayer game that came out for Tribe. Like, that was its thing. It was an kind of open-ish arena shooter, so, like, fairly big areas to play in as far as that for the multiplayer stuff. This kind of reminds me of that. The thing with, like, the Tribes games was they had this thing called skating where, like, your jetpack had, like, a maglev on the boots, so you would ski the surface of the terrain and then hit your jetpack at the peak of a hill or something so you would fly up. That's kind of what this reminds me of because it has something similar with like the hoverboards and that kind of stuff. 
one of the things that I noticed is you can actually transverse the terrain with a grappling hook. So it's almost got like a just cause kind of gameplay environment, which is kind of cool. <laughs> That's kind of unique and cool. I definitely do like that. So they have kind of like multiple different ways of playing this. And I think that's an interesting take. So it's definitely a fun game from what I've played. I've only played about a half an hour or 45 minutes into it, but it's definitely nice to see that it's Linux supported, doesn't give me headaches. It's a fun game to play. So the only problem that some people have is that it's early access and the intro price is a $30 buy-in. But on the same note, that $30 is also, it's like, the, here's the full game once it releases kind of thing. So there's none, none of the generic early access shenanigans that you would get. It's like, oh, here's the base game. And oh, here's all the DLC you now have to pay for. <laughs> right. But right now, not that it matters, but for 22 more hours, it's on a special promotion. $26. Oh, $25.50. I have a hard time spending 30 bucks on an EA title. So I that's why I'm like, ah. Right. But then I saw who made it and I was like, ah. Okay, yeah, why not? And just an event reminder, on June 20th at 9 a.m. to June 21st, 9 a.m., I will be streaming for 24 hours for Cure, which is Citizens United in Research for Epilepsy, with a goal of $1,500. There will be a mix of multiplayer games, single-player games, and some fun interactions and giveaways for games along the way. If the goal is reached, we will be doing a community game night we will be live streaming Among Us, and that means, yes, even I will be playing. I'm excited for that. That's the part I'm most excited about. I want to emphasize the <laughs> words that I will be playing begrudgingly. You're going to love it. You just don't know it yet. Yes, you will. It's a ton of fun. You'll get sucked into Among Us just like the rest of us have. And next thing we know, you'll be playing it again and again and again. Things I'll say after we get done recording. Bad Matt. Now it's your turn and toss in your two cents on today's topics. Hit the discourse forums, drop us a line under this video or the contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com slash contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links at the bottom of the show descriptions. You can find great shows like Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, Linux Saloon, Destination Linux, and so much more at tuxdigital.com. You can also show your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting the Tux Digital merch store. Go grab yourself some awesome swag like the one I prefer, which is the Linux gamer centric. I pause my game to be here t-shirt. As always, we thank you for joining us and we'll be back next week with another awesome episode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banner somewhat friendly, somewhat on topic and have fun doing it. 